Heavenly Father, God, we just thank you so much for, God, for who you are and that you've called us. God, we thank you for the ability to be here tonight to talk about you and, and uh, what you've instructed us to do. God, we just pray that you will be with us, strengthen us, God, both physically and spiritually as we go about sharing your word with those around us. God, we just thank you so much and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Week four. Week four. So tonight, we're going to go off a little bit different than we've been going. So I want to talk about some of the reasons why we don't always tell people about Jesus and what we can do to help to, to encourage us, to build us up, to strengthen us, to have uh, the courage and the wherewithal to do that and to step into those situations. Next week will be week five. We are going to talk about how to tell your story. That is going to be a good week, a big week. Um, talking about telling your story in what we call an elevator, uh, an elevator time frame. Can you tell your story in the time it would take you to ride in an elevator with somebody? Can you tell it in a two-minute time frame where it's small, it's concise, and then unpack that as you go? So hitting the, the important things to get people to uh, listen to you and to want to hear more about it and at a point where you can either give it and unpack it then or give it and come back to it at another time and unpack it. So next week, how to tell your story. Uh, excited about that. This week, we're going to go over a few things that, um, just kind of the, the everyday things, because we've been talking about how people, uh, how Paul did it, how he shared the gospel, the things that worked, the things that didn't work, the fact that we're not always going to get everybody. So what I want to talk about tonight is why aren't we trying to tell everybody? What are the things that are holding us back? What is it that trips us up? And I think one of the biggest things is that kind of encompasses the whole thing is a fear. And I think there are different areas and different reasons for that. And we may not always consciously put it as fear, but I think it is fear that the enemy has put in us to stop us from sharing the gospel. Fear of saying, okay, well, what if I do that and nobody listens to me? What if my family laughs at me? What if people won't talk to me anymore? What if my friends won't want to be around me anymore if I do this? What if people think that I'm strange? What if I'm not successful at doing it? These are all fears that, whether or not we think about it, these are the things that are going on in, in all of our minds. It happens to me, too, when I'm talking to people. You kind of get that, that quick check and go, oh, crud, what if I, do I really want to do this right now? Like, I'm at work, and if I do this, I have to work with this person every day forever, and how's this going to go after that? But the funny thing is, we don't think about that in other aspects of our life. If you eat at a really good restaurant, and you go to work, and somebody's like, hey, where did you eat? Oh, I ate at this great place. Let me tell you all about it. Here's what I ordered. Here's what I had. Here's how much it cost. And we don't sit there and go, well, I don't want to tell them because it's Italian food, and they might not like Italian food. And what if, they, you know, what if they're allergic to something, and I told them I ate it? You know, we don't think like that. That's not how our minds work. We don't go, oh, yeah, well, I like this kind of music, but, oh, boy, I shouldn't tell that to somebody because, you know, then they might think I'm weird. Well, people like different kinds of music. I was just, we were talking 
Earlier today, new job I've got, they listen to a lot of country. Not my thing. Not a big fan. But I told them that, and they told me how much they like it. Neither one of us has a problem expressing that. But the second, actually today, one guy goes, I like to listen to a lot of gospel music. And the whole room went dead silent. And I was like, I'm with you. That's good stuff, too. And I'm like, i got to say something here because this guy's hanging out on a tree limb. But why did that happen when other people said, I like country, and nobody got quiet then? It's just, it's that difference in our mind that we, we don't always want to go there. We don't worry about, there are certain things we're not afraid to step out on. Okay, guys that are here, that are married, at some point you had to step out and ask your wife out on a date. At some point you had to ask your wife to marry you. Those were probably times that, well, maybe some of you, it was scary. Maybe some of you thought you might get a no. Maybe some of you got a no the first time. Just saying, it happens. And maybe you came back a second time. There are things in our life that we don't care if we fail at or if we get a no. But for some reason, telling people about Jesus is one of those things where we just kind of, I don't really want that no because I, I can't undo it. If I, if I share this, I can't unshare that part. Now they're going to look at me different forever. So one of the big things is we have to be willing to get rejected. And when I say that, again, we've talked about the last couple of weeks, just because somebody says no doesn't mean you failed. Just because you get a no doesn't mean you did it wrong. It doesn't mean... I wasn't supposed to tell somebody about Jesus. Happened to Paul. Happened to Jesus. Jesus would call people to follow him, and they'd tell him no. Jesus got a no. I'm not going to get a yes 100% of the time. But I have to be willing to try and get rid of the thinking that if I get a no, there's a failure there. There's something wrong with me, something wrong with the way I said it, something wrong with the way I did it. That's not the case. We have to look at it as, I'm planting a seed. I'm watering a seed. You know, hopefully down the road, somebody else will water that seed. Hopefully down the road, somebody will reap that harvest. Maybe I will again. Maybe that'll come back around. But it's not a failure to get a no. One of the big reasons that we don't share is because it makes us uncomfortable. Those awkward moments, like I said today, where the guy's like, yeah, I like to listen to gospel music, and then it got really quiet. And it was like, who's going to talk now? Those uncomfortable moments. Because it's, it's easy to tell somebody you go to church. Because a lot of people do that. It's easy to, to say, well, yeah, I go to church, or even, yeah, I listen to Christian radio. It's harder to say, yeah, I have a relationship with Jesus. Yeah, I love him. Let me tell you about him. The system that Jesus put into place the scripture that we've been uh, anchoring on from the get-go is, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. I can't change the system because it makes me uncomfortable. The system is go into all the world and preach the gospel. Go tell everybody. Just because I'm not comfortable doesn't mean I get to dictate how it's going to work. 
we don't get to do that in other aspects of life. You ever tell your boss, well, I don't really want to do that, you know, making phone calls makes me uncomfortable. I don't want to do that part of my job. He's going to say, well, tough. That's what your job is. It's what you get to do. If you go to the doctor with a broken arm, you don't walk in, and they go, we're going to put your arm in a cast, and you go, but that seems itchy and uncomfortable. And they go, oh, well, then here, let me just get you a pill. You take this pill instead. It doesn't work like that. There are some times we have to be uncomfortable in order for something to be healed, something to be taken care of properly, something to see results. We have to be uncomfortable sometimes. We can't, it seems ridiculous when you put it in a, a time frame like that, or a, a way of saying it like that. But the reality is, a lot of times we say, I'm not comfortable telling people about Jesus, so I'll go home and read a book about somebody else who tells people about Jesus. Or I'll put extra money in for the missionaries because I don't want to do it, so I'll give them more money so that they can go do it. There's not an alternative to this. It doesn't say go tell the go into all the world and preach the gospel unless you have time to read a book about it or give money to somebody else who can do it for you. It's all of our responsibilities to do that. So what if people look at me differently after they know I'm a Christian? Well, first of all, if you're living a Christian life, they should probably figure it out at some point by the way you live. So opening your mouth and saying something, they're probably expecting that. Now, what if they look at me different? What if they treat me different? You know, I've said before, if, you don't, if you're afraid of how people will react, start telling the people that you don't like about Jesus. Because either they will get saved and change their life, and then you'll like them better, or they will avoid you for the rest of your life, and you've fixed it right there. Tell them about it. You got somebody hanging around that you don't want hanging around? Ladies, you got a guy hanging around? Tell them about Jesus, you know? Guys, you got a problem with your mother-in-law? Tell her about Jesus. I mean, these are the things that we can do. <laughs> Start there. Start with somebody that you don't care how they react. Because that's the kind of an attitude we should have in telling people about Jesus is, listen, this is so important. This is the most important thing in the world that I don't care if you do look at me differently, if you talk to me differently, if you think I'm weird, I'm going to be okay with that because I don't want you to ask me the day of the judgment that we've been talking about Revelation, why didn't you tell me? You're going to be more upset with me then than you will be now. The next reason I want to look at is, I think, a really big reason for a lot of people, and that is the feeling of inadequacy, where we say, I am not the person to do that. Either, yeah, but you don't understand. See, there's some stuff in my life. I still sin, and things happen. So I can't tell people about it because then I have to be perfect. Well, none of us is perfect. We're not going to get everything right all the time. Well, I didn't go to Bible college, so, you know, I'll just leave that to somebody else who did. Well, let me tell you what they study at Bible college is this, and you all have this, 
and we read this and we can take this and put it into places where sometimes pastors can't tell people because they won't listen to them but they'll listen to you and they'll listen to me they'll listen to people they have relationship with you're not inadequate when it comes to telling people about Jesus there are people that go overseas missionaries and they train people for a week they get saved and they tell them for a week and these people go off into the mountains and they come back with hundreds of people that get saved how in the world did they know what to do and what to say I mean they didn't have a class they didn't have a, a bookmark to put in there to remind them of what scriptures to look at they just had the Word of God and they had the Holy Spirit and that's something that we need to know is I am inadequate to do this but the Holy Spirit is not and the Holy Spirit is inside of me he the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives in me I'm not inadequate because he has made me adequate there are people that only you can reach there are some people that would be scared off if somebody else approached them and that's something that you know, when I was pastoring all the time people would ask me to go talk to their family member talk to their friends their neighbors or whatever and I'm going I don't know them you know why well I think they're ready I, I've been talking to them about Jesus for a while now I think they're ready to receive Christ well go do it like why do they want to hear from me you know here comes the pastor okay well yeah, then they're going to run the other way because they're going to be like, who are you and what's going on here? If you have that relationship and that, that uh, fellowship with them, then you have that responsibility. That is on your relationship is strong enough to uphold that. And if you care about them that much, you should want to tell them because you should want that same relationship to follow you to heaven. You're not inadequate. my guess is your faith is just as strong as anybody else and I know sometimes we look at that and say well I don't have enough faith for this and I don't have enough of that that's not what the Bible says okay Peter in 2nd Peter we're gonna look through a few verses there at the beginning of 2nd Peter chapter 1 um, we're gonna see that this is not just a matter of who has more faith of who um, is gifted in speaking and talking and, and, and who can do these things. But Scripture says differently. Second Peter chapter 1, verse 1. Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have, have obtained a faith of equal standing with ours by the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ. To those who have obtained a faith of equal standing to the righteousness of Jesus. Equal faith to Peter? Okay, now remember, Peter, yeah, Peter made some mistakes. But Peter walked on the water. Peter was the first to say Jesus was the Christ. Peter had some faith. And he's saying... We have the same faith. We're on the equal level here. And you might think, well, I know people that fall into that category because I know people that have a lot of faith. They're, okay, they're on with Peter. But that's not what Scripture says. Scripture says 
you've obtained a faith of equal standing with ours, not because of you, but because of the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. So it's not a matter of faith. Verse 3 in chapter 1 there says, His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence. You have a faith of equal standing because God gave you everything you need pertaining to life and godliness. Now, I'm not saying we don't have limitations in some areas, okay? I am not going to be the world's best athlete of any kind, okay? We all have different levels of uh, strength, of intelligence. We have different levels. We have physical limitations. We're not all exactly the same in those things. But Scripture says that he has the divine power and has granted us all things pertaining to life and godliness. So what in the world does that mean? It means this. There's no reason you can't be the most godly person in this room. No matter what your intelligence level is, your physical level is, there's no reason you can't be the most spiritually uh, pure, spiritually positive person in this room. There's no reason you can't tell more people about Jesus than anybody else in this room. You have what it takes given to you through Jesus Christ. There's nothing about... Um, your age, your intelligence, your uh, physical abilities that prevents you from doing that. He has given you everything that you need in order to do that. He's called us to his own glory and excellence. He didn't call us to mediocrity. He didn't call you to just survive and try not to sin too much. He called you to his own glory and excellence. Let me ask this. If Jesus was standing right next to you, would you feel more comfortable talking about him to somebody else? I would. Because I would think, if I say something stupid or something wrong, he'd just tag him in. You know, he's right here. Hey, if I do something wrong, just get, get in there. You know, that's like... You know, when you're working a new job and you're not quite sure what to do, it's nice to have the boss here so they can kind of jump in if you screw something up. If Jesus was next to you, would you feel more empowered? Would you feel... Uh, would you just get more energy to go out and do it? Would you be like, hey, Jesus is with me. I'm going to go do this right now while he's here so we can get some stuff done. For one, I've got more... I've got more drive to tell people about Jesus for two. I want him to see me talking about him when he's right here. I mean, he's right here. If he was standing next to you, you would feel like he's got your back. But John chapter 16, verse 7, this is Jesus talking. It says, nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it's to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Jesus just said, it's better for you if I go away. If I leave the earth, he was about to, to ascend into heaven. It's better for you if I go away. Because here, I'm here with you, some of you at once. But if I go, the Holy Spirit's going to come. And the Holy Spirit's going to live in you 
And the Holy Spirit's going to empower you to do things. One of my, my favorite verses um, in the Bible is, Elijah was a man just like us. Elijah is somebody that I look at in Scripture and think that is completely unattainable. Okay? Elijah that's up on the mountain with the prophets of Baal, and he, they're cutting themselves, and he's basically challenged them to a death match, saying whoever loses dies, and they're sacrificing to, their, to Baal, and nothing is happening. And then he sacrifices to God, pours water on it. You know the story, the whole deal. And God comes and, 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 go, and I'm going, dude, don't put the water on Like, man, if you've got enough guts to get up there and say, don't put water. Like, don't, don't wreck it, man. Just do it. You know, uh, that's not where I'm going to be at. I'm not going to be like, let's make this harder. No, I'm going to be like, okay, I open my mouth. And now, God, I need you to follow through. But he wasn't like that. He, showed, he knew that God would show up. But then the Bible says Elijah was a man just like us. Or he was just a man. Yes, he had a great relationship with God, but he wasn't anything that I can't be. That means something to me. That is powerful to me to see, okay, so with the Holy Spirit, and, and honestly, you could argue, I've got the Holy Spirit in me. So if anything, I should be able to do what he did, Jesus even said, you're going to do what I did and even greater things. Okay, so now I can do greater things than Jesus did on earth, and I'm still afraid to talk to my neighbor? I should be going over there like, dude, I don't know what's going to happen, but I can do some pretty great things because God can do them, and let's just see what he does. Instead of going, I don't want to tell him I'm a Christian. It should be like, hey, I'm going to tell you about Jesus, and you should really join me because he's going to do some awesome things, and I can't wait to see what he's going to do. Acts chapter 1, verse 8 says, You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses into Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the end of the earth. Notice it says, You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, all of Judea, Samaria. There it goes again. As soon as the power comes upon you, you're going to go and be my witnesses. That's a theme throughout the Bible. Anytime something great happens, it is go and tell people about it. Go and tell people about Jesus. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you're going to get great power. Go, go and use that power. Don't sit at home and do nothing with it. Don't just go home and sit in your chair and say, well, I read the Bible a lot and I pray a lot, but I don't tell anybody about it. I don't do anything with it. You know, what good is it to have three master's degrees if you never actually do anything in those fields? You know, I, I know a guy who is on, I think he's on his third one right now. The guy's 30-some years old. He's never had a real job. He just keeps going to school and going to school. And I'm like, hey, that's great. But are you going to use it? Like, you have all this knowledge, and you're holding it back. You're not actually using it to benefit other people. Like, sitting there going, you're a smart guy. You could teach. You could do a lot of things. You could benefit everybody else, but instead, you're just holding that in. So we have all of this power. We have the direction. We have the support. But are we actually going out and using it? One of the things that... I tend to have a problem with is I like to think things out ahead of time 
You know, you ever have a conversation with somebody and you don't really know what they're saying because you're thinking about how you're going to respond to what they're saying? And you really hope they didn't just go a different direction than you thought because you'd already planned this whole conversation out. Or you've had conversations with your spouse or your boss or whatever at home the night before. So you were like ready for this conversation you just knew was going to happen. And you're just ready to go. And you got the guts then and you're going to whatever and then it never goes that way. I like to have things planned out. I would like to have God give me the next 10 years of my life laid out so I could just know where I'm supposed to be, when I'm supposed to be there, how's it going to work. But so far, none of that's happened for me. I have gone many different directions, and some of those were directions I did not know I was going until shortly before it happened. Um, Planning one thing, even in ministry, planning one thing clear over here, and then all of a sudden this church calls over here, and I'm like, well, I wasn't looking for that. But... Okay, let me pray about that and see if that's where I'm supposed to go. And going, yeah, I didn't see myself ever going there. I didn't see myself ever moving back here. That was one thing I never thought would happen. And here I am. So we don't always know ahead of time. I wish I could tell you here is the script to tell everybody this script. If you follow the script, everybody will get saved. Or even 80% of people will get saved. I wish I had the thing laid out ahead of time. But if we look in Luke chapter 12, verse 11 and 12 says, When they bring you before the synagogue and the rulers and the authorities, do not be anxious about how you should defend yourself or what you should say, for the Holy Spirit will teach you in that very hour what you ought to say. I want to know stuff ahead of time, but the Bible says don't freak out when this stuff happens. You've got the Holy Spirit in you, and he can give you the words to say in that very moment. So you run into somebody that you weren't expecting to see, and you're going, boy, this would be a perfect time to talk about Jesus, but I don't know what I'm going to say. Now, don't just open your mouth and go and expect something to come out. But don't try to pre-plan that stuff, because if you try to pre-plan how your conversation is going to go when it goes a different way, it's panic mode. Oh, because I wasn't ready for that. But it's sharing your, your heart, your relationship with Jesus. You've got that there. It's no different than talking about your kids or your grandkids or whatever. You don't know the opportunities you're going to have to talk about your grandkids, but when you get one, you're going to do it. I mean, you're going to jump right in. Oh, yeah. Oh, speaking of that, so-and-so. Oh, my grandkid. Oh, they do this, and oh, they play that. Oh, they, they, were, in this, they were in this play or they were in whatever, and you're going, we weren't even talking about that stuff. Like, what are you trying to do? But it's because you have that love and that relationship that you are excited about that, and you are overjoyed to tell people about that, and you'll work it in. And some people get just as annoyed with that because it's like, okay, yeah, whatever, they're perfect, got it. But Jesus is perfect, and we can brag on him all day. There is nothing in the Bible that calls us to be comfortable. There is nowhere where it says, and when you're comfortable is exactly when the Holy Spirit is going to use you. No, it doesn't say that. In fact, it says the opposite. It says, the comforter, I will send you the comforter. And again, I think I've said it four or five times already in this. Why do you need a comforter if you're already comfortable? You don't need someone to comfort you if you're already comfortable. 
Yet Jesus said, I'm sending you a comforter. I'm sending you someone who when you're in these situations, he's going to be the, the strong point. He's going to be the pillar. He's going to be what's going to hold you up when you're uncomfortable. He will be with you. He is near you. He is right there. God is not in some far-off galaxy. Okay, we think of God as being clear up in the clouds somewhere, you know, past the moon, whatever. It's not, it, it's a hard thing to grasp because it's a spiritual thing. It's, it's not like Star Trek in different dimensions. It's like God is here. He is right here. God is with us. Okay, he is also out there. He is everywhere. That's where he is. It's a different aspect. So one of the things that I really struggled with when I, I've shared from up uh, front before that in years past, I struggled a lot with anxiety, with panic attacks, and a lot of things um, that I didn't know what was going on, and a lot of things that just completely overwhelmed me, and I didn't know what to do in that time. And everybody had a fix for me. Everybody had a way to salt. They gave me the, well, you just need to pray more. And I'm going, oh, no, that's not it. In some of those moments, I'm going, the only prayer I've got is, God, help me. That's the only prayer I can muster at times. I had people tell me, just turn the Christian radio way up. And I'm like, okay, one thing that I had as a side effect was this super sensitive hearing. And I'm like, a car drives by my house, and it sounds like they came through the house. Yeah, that's what I need to do, jam out some Christian music. That's what I'm going to do right now. Like, yeah, I can't sleep, I can't whatever, so let me just crank some music. No, that's not what I needed to have happen. One of the things when I was struggling with that the most, and, and when I would try to read Scripture, I would read two, three verses. I mean, I couldn't get very far. But one of the verses that I read really hit me in a different way. And since then, I, I dug into it and really researched it and, and looked at it. And it's Mark chapter 14, or Mark chapter 1, excuse me, verses 14 and 15. It says, Now after uh, John was arrested, Jesus came to Galilee, proclaiming the gospel of God and saying, The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. So I looked at that and said, The kingdom of God is at hand. And the way that I always interpreted that is it's coming soon. You know, it's time frame at hand. You know, when you say something is at the time is at hand, it's close, it's coming. But if you look at the Greek word there, and I don't know how to say it, egazo, I don't know how to say it. You can check that out yourself. Here's what it means. It means to come near extreme closeness in presence. It means a physical closeness. When it says the kingdom of God is at hand, it literally means it's like within arm's reach. Like the kingdom of God is here. Okay? It is with us. It is around us. The kingdom of God is here. It's not far off somewhere else. God isn't watching us up on high from somewhere going, hmm, I wonder what's going on down there on earth. The kingdom of God is at hand. And if you look it up, um, it's used in a number, that same word is used in the same way in a number of other places, one of which is uh, Matthew 26, verse 46, uh, when they're in the garden before the crucifixion, and it says, 
Jesus said, Rise and let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. While he was still speaking, Judas came. It's the same Greek word that says, My betrayer is at hand, and it says he didn't even finish his sentence, and Judas was right there. So that's what we're talking about is he was close. It wasn't just, hey, this time is coming up and he's going to be here soon. It was, mm, he's here. He's physically close. That's one thing that I grasped onto when I needed the most was the kingdom of God is here. Okay, the Holy Spirit is right here. Jesus is right here. That's something that I, I wear a ring on this finger. I've done it for a long time. Um, at one point I had a... Uh, They've all been some kind of Christian ones that had cross on it. I another one that said forgiven. This one I got when I was going through that uh, time of anxiety. And it just simply says Jesus. It says it really, it's etched in there really small, like subtle. It's got a crown of thorns around it. But I bought it at that time because I needed to look down someday, some days, and see Jesus. And know the kingdom of God is at hand. Jesus, he is this close to me. He's right here. And there are times where I found myself when I was at work or whether I was um, somewhere else and I had the anxiety stuff coming on me and feeling like there was a panic attack, I'd go in the bathroom and I would just literally say, okay, God, and be like, Jesus, I need you right here. And I would literally hold my hand and go, I need you right here. Like not over there, like right here is where I need you. But the Bible says the kingdom of God is at hand. He's right there. So when we get into a point where we're uncomfortable, when we feel like we're inadequate, when we feel like we can't do it, he's right there. It would be just as if Jesus was standing there. Except he said, it's better if I go because then you get the Holy Spirit. And he's with you all the time. So that's something I, I want to get across is that we are in Christ. We're not, it's not something we can just say to hold it over somebody's head like, oh, you know, I'm, I'm a child of God. I'm going to, it's, I'm a child of God. He is right there with me. He's instructed me to do this, but he's not leaving me hanging. He's not just expecting me to go out and do it and come back and report to him how it goes. He is right there. He's with us all the time. So when fear creeps in, whatever the situation, know that he is right there. I may not lead every person that I talk to to Christ. It doesn't mean I failed. I may not have all the answers to every question. I think a lot of times we do that too. Well, what if they ask me a question I don't know the answer to? Well, tell them you don't know the answer. I don't know. You know what? We'll figure it out together. Let's look it up in the Bible. Let me ask somebody else who might know. Let's figure it out on our own. I've always said, especially with uh, people I work for, if they've never said I don't know, I probably don't want to work for them. Because if they know everything, uh, they're making some of it up. It takes courage to say I don't know sometimes. And if, if you're telling somebody about Jesus and they go, well, what about this? Well, how come he's got... People die in starvation places. Well, I don't know. I've got an idea. I can look in the Bible and see what's going on. 
but I, I'm not God. I don't know. Here's what I do know. Here's what I see God is. And I know that he is this, so therefore there must be a reason for some of this stuff. It's not just that he's forsaken these people or he doesn't know what's happening. Let's get past that, and we'll go back to that. We'll look into it. We'll figure it out. We'll, we'll see what it is. But when you understand the heart of God the way that I do, you'll, you'll get a better grasp of that. What if, what if I'm not the most eloquent speaker? What if I don't have a great comeback to every argument? I mean, guy lit me up on Facebook the other day. I couldn't even, I couldn't even respond. I mean, man, those Facebook arguments. I don't think, I've, I don't think anybody's ever won a Facebook argument of any kind. But what if I don't, what if I can't say it the way I'm supposed to? What if I stumble over my words or I say something wrong? The only excuse in the Bible that I think has a very valid point was Moses. I look at him and I think, you had a good point. When he said, God said, go tell Pharaoh to let my people go. And he says, I stutter. I don't talk right. I'm not good at speaking. And I'm going, yeah, nobody would vote Moses to be the guy to go and talk to Pharaoh. I mean, you're not going to pick the guy to go talk to the president that says stupid things all the time or just, you know, doesn't quite get it. But I thought that was a good excuse. But God said, his response was, are you saying that I made your mouth wrong? And then it's, oh, that's right, you made that. I guess I can't tell you it's not right because you did it. Okay. God had a plan for him, and he called him to do it. Even though it was out of his comfort zone, it was completely uh, out of what anybody would have picked for the person to go up there. You want the most boisterous, you know, big, tall, strong guy that's going to get Pharaoh, you know, you let them go. No, God picked the guy who stuttered. What if I can't answer every argument thrown at me? Well, I'm not trying to win an argument. I'm trying to build the kingdom of God. And you know what? Sometimes I'm going to get people argue with me that I'm just going to have to, you know what? Okay, you know, we'll talk about it later. You know, let's not focus on the minor things. Let's talk about the big things. But you know what? There's sometimes you just kind of got to, okay, it's nice talking to you. We'll talk again later. And you got to kind of walk away sometimes. It happens. You plant the seed, water the seed, reap the harvest. I may not be the best and have all the right things to say, but the king is with me. And he's going to help me with my words. I do have to be willing to talk. Like I said, you can't just open your mouth and expect words to come flying out. But as you approach those situations, you feel that. And the Holy Spirit goes, oh, what about this? And, oh, say this and say that. Okay. And it's not going to be an audible voice from heaven all the time telling you exactly what to say. But it's that feeling in your heart where you know this is where I'm being led to go. Next week, we're going to talk about how to do that. How to put that package in. Grab that couple of moments with somebody and plant that seed to where, like I said, you may have an hour where somebody's receptive and they want to talk to you. You may have two minutes where you can drop the seed in and come back and check it out later. Those little moments, uh, you'd be surprised what you can say in a, in a couple of minutes if you know what you're doing. 
and, and it's like I said, it's not a foolproof thing to say here's what it is. I just want to be able to get um, in just a couple of minutes for you to put out there what you need to say so that you can unpack it later. Because sometimes, you know, you got two minutes with somebody, you start talking about something, and you go way over here, and it's like, oh, wait, what was I talking about? Let me get that back. So we're going to talk about that next week, how to tell your story, and then uh, we'll follow up. There's two weeks left. That'll be next week, last week. Uh, we're going to talk about a little more about that and then some uh, practical things that we can do, some ways that we can share that and how, uh, how to unpack that story. So let's end in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, God, I thank you for the time that we could spend together. God, I thank you for being there with us. Lord Jesus, I thank you for your Holy Spirit and the power that you have given to us through that. Lord Jesus, I just pray that you will help us to be bold, God, but not overwhelming, but to, to know when we hear your Holy Spirit that we can step out and that you are there to have our back. Lord Jesus, help us to understand that it's not the words that we say, it's the willingness of our heart and that you are the only one that can work in someone's heart and change their life. God, I just thank you for using us, the fact that you chose to use us to be a part of this. God, it's, it's an amazing thing because you could do it so much better. But yet you've, you've allowed us to be a part of the situation. I just thank you for that. I pray that you will bless each and every one here tonight and bring us all back safely on.